0: Acts twenty seven is where we are as we continue through this series of communities of transformation, and we come to Acts twenty seven this morning. And I, I, I know that I want to share with you guys from Acts twenty seven, but I have a very mixed emotions because last week was, um, was for me, my experience of last week was super. Challenging because of the constraints of saying to everyone, um, not I didn't I didn't really say this, but it felt like I said, "Hey, let's just let go of hope," and and then. Oh, we're out of time. Have a great, day. have a great day. And I had a lot of questions of people coming back to me and going, like, could you unpack that a little bit more, or what does that look like, or I have, a, I just was wondering what you meant when you said, give up all hope, um, and so. Which I didn't feel like is what I said, but I know that's how it can sometimes feel, and um, and so I want to, with your permission, before we jump into Acts 27, and maybe maybe we don't make it to Acts 27 this morning, I, I will be back next week and we can do Acts 27 and we can get Acts 28, um, but... Maybe we'll get there, but this morning I wanted to to loop back to some of the conversation that we were having last week around Acts 26. And really what we've been talking about in Paul's life is that how he hit... How did he come to this place of contentment that led his life so powerfully? And was it that he just gave up all hope? No. Was it that he decided to live in complete ambivalence? No. Was that he just surrendered himself to the sovereignty of God and said, whatever happens, happens? No, we don't see this in Paul's journey. But there are some things that I would love to go back over just to make sure that we are clear and, um, and even maybe setting us up for some more ministry time on uh, Abide on Thursday night. And so we talked about how Paul is living from this place of what he wrote to the Philippian church and remembering that he wrote to the Philippian church during his imprisonment. And what he wrote to them is the scripture we referenced last week from Ephesians 4. And he said this, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or with little. He says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. And this is obviously a a, Uh, he's referencing his physical needs and the things that are going on around him but it also is is demonstrating I believe a place where Paul has learned, had learned and had grasped something of an ability to live within whatever was taking place with a level of contentment that was so powerful and so profound that he was able to walk out these, these last 20 verse or chapter 25, 26, 27 when he is walking out being beaten and arrested and imprisoned and 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 all the different things that are going on that he is able to walk this out in a powerful way and when you study this word this word content that he uses here he's actually saying self-sufficient and i know that that's kind of like oh no you can't say self-sufficient in church now we've become a a, a self-help thing what are we going to do next yoga um and so um and uh so i know that like the whole self-help and all that like just preach jesus brother and i like man that jesus is about the whole self and the whole being and really what paul is saying is like i have not found some sort of i haven't tapped into the secret like the inner power that that resides within me he is saying i have learned to be sufficient with what is inside of me in my relationship with christ so that i am no longer clinging or grasping for external things for a sense of of contentment. So when he says when he says self sufficient, he's not like I am all powerful. He's saying Christ in me is all powerful and I am in, and when I when I tap into that I find myself no longer holding on to, oh, if this situation changed or if this relationship changed or if the bank account status changed or whatever, I'm not grasping on to those things for this sense of contentment. I have found everything that I need and it is internal. It is right here. I don't need anything else is what Paul is truly saying. And so his contentment isn't about external things and so despite as i mentioned the beatings the arrests the untrue accusations about his character the intentions and the message uh, despite the imprisonment and being removed from a community of people that he loved despite prophecy that had been given to him both words that he had received from the lord and and words that he had received from people that there was nothing ahead of him except for trouble and death Paul managed that disappointment and he continued to live out of the purpose that God had placed on his life because he was content in Christ and in what he was doing and he was not grasping for meaning or for purpose in any of those external places. When it looked like God had failed to meet Paul's expectations, he never equated that with God failing him. And I think that's vital for us to understand. And, I, and you, you guys know, I, I'm not going to throw the bumper stickers around at you. But when, when we equate circumstances not working out for us with God failing us, we are on a very short path towards a shipwrecked faith. And so what we want to be able to do, like Paul, is go, I'm not going to equate the difficulties and the things that have happened to me with you failing me. You have failed my expectations innumerable times, but you have never failed me. And to get to that place of settled faith that Paul had, I'm not just throwing it out there like, it's so easy. Come on, everybody. Let's get it. Come on. It's so simple. Like when our circumstances are falling apart, when our plans aren't coming the way that we expect them to come, when our dreams and desires and the prophetic words that people have spoken over us, when they're not happening, it is so easy to go, God, where are you? You are failing me and to move into a season of discontent. But Paul said, I know, what it, I know what it's like when everything's going my way. I know what it's like when nothing's going my way. And I have learned that right here is all that I need. And I live out of that place instead of this place. And I live with this posture instead of this posture. And I want us to be able to grab onto that. And so what I, what I challenged us in, in that... Is this is this proverb that says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick? And we see that Paul, no matter what happened, he was able to remain in hope. And so I challenged us to remove our hope from things that are making our hearts sick. Paul was disappointed. His hope was deferred year after year and opportunity after opportunity. There was no revival happening. There was no release from imprisonment. And so he's going on by the end of Acts 28. He's going on four years of imprisonment and audience before multiple different people power players in the world in Rome and in Jewish culture in religion and in politics and he had to have felt that like, okay God, this is the moment where I'm going to stand before the Sanhedrin or I'm going to stand before the Roman leadership and I'm going to stand before whoever and this is going to be the moment where all that I've been through, all of the beatings, all of the imprisonment, all of the loss of community that I left behind, all the people I love to go on this individual journey with you, it's all going to come come together in this moment and there would just be these little breadcrumbs of progress and they'd go like, okay, back to your house that you're arrested into like go back to your imprisonment and there's this place where you can imagine Paul's despondence and the struggle of opportunity after opportunity falling flat and I don't know if you've ever felt that way because I I know that I have where you're like god surely this is the moment where all of the sacrifice or the prayers or the struggle or the contending or whatever the word is it's all going to pay off and it's all going to come together And when it doesn't happen when this time this is surely the person this is surely the fulfillment this is surely the thing that's that's going to make it all what i expect it to be and when it doesn't happen again we are invited back into this place of deep disappointment and we have to resist the temptation to bring that as an accusation against god an accusation against ourselves and to really be okay with the possibility that as we release some of those things that are making our hearts sick because we're holding hope in the wrong things or in the wrong moments or in the wrong outcomes, that there will be a freedom that wells up in us and a content, a deep-seated contentment and rooted faith, the foundational faith that we are able to stay in this place and say, I have found everything I need right here. And I want us to be able to live that out. Paul kept his hope anchored. Because of that, he was ready to confess and proclaim the way of Jesus at all times in any situation, even to the point where we talked about this last week, even to the point while he's waiting for whatever it is, the trial, this moment, this whatever, he's writing these letters of Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians. He's writing these letters that become the powerful Tool for the gospel to go around the earth while he's in prison and while he's waiting for something to take place, he's being faithful to pour out his heart for Jesus and share it with other people. And as you guys know, those letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison be, are, are from so many of us, are these sacred words through the spirit of God that come into our heart and reveal Jesus to us. Because Paul, in his place of entrapment and disappointment, chose from his place of faith and hope to write and to pour out his heart for God so that now we get to receive those words. And it's such a powerful reality when we look at that and we, and we ask ourselves this question of, what are the letters that my life is writing when I feel the most trapped in disappointment? What is the overflow of my life when things aren't going my way and when expectations aren't being met? And like Paul, if they put him before people, he's just gonna proclaim Jesus. And, and, and if you put me before people after I've been sucking on the lemon of disappointment for a long time, and you go, tell people about Jesus, and I've been imprisoned and entrapped and, f- and focused on how he's failed me for four years, I'm gonna get up there and be like, God is the worst. Turns out this all sucks. Run for your life. I gave Jesus my life and my heart and all it's been is struggle. Get out while you can. Because yeah, too late, sorry. And I joke, but I know that if I am sitting in the places where I feel stuck and I am constantly fixating on the failures, on the shortcomings, on the unfulfilled, that's really what comes out of my life, whether I recognize it or not. But if I stay focused on his faithfulness and on the truth of who he is and what he has done and who Jesus is, that the letters that are being written by my life, that are gonna last far longer than anything I proclaim in this one moment, Are going to be about how jesus was faithful and never let me down even when my expectations may have been disappointed what are the letters that our lives are going to write when we're the most stuck in some places the questions that you guys have asked me were these how do i recognize and so in light of that, we talked about last week how it was important to, to just make sure that we are not holding on to false hope. We are not holding on to hope for outcomes or for solutions or for quick fixes or whatever, long fixes. We're not holding on to these things, and that man, holding on to them, we have allowed a, a, a sickness to enter into our hearts that Proverbs talks about that hope deferred, hope delayed, hope that is always being disappointed and offset and offset and offset and offset can bring us to such a place of disappointment. And sickness heart sickness and last week we talked about so maybe it is time that we release hope maybe instead of hearing someone from the front who said it's time to just stir up more hope put more hope on top of your disappointed hope let's just pile it with layers of hope and more hope and you're like well hope feels a lot like this thing that i'm just crying, trying to stir up in my human effort oh ignore that feeling just more hope but i'm tired more hope and like we don't need this message of more hope. There is a time when we may may need the message and in the kindness to be able to say, uh, could you maybe let go of some of that stuff that you're holding on to? I, I, it, it's making you sick. It's making you sick, and it's okay to lay it down. And that's when we ran out of time last week. And you can see why. Just like, hey, okay, cool. Have a great day. I feel like this is such an important word for the Spirit of God to be able to bring His presence and surround us and walk us into that place and to take those things from our hands and say, it's okay, I'll, I'll hold this. I'll hold this. And, and the picture I have so often is of these seeds that we're holding that aren't bearing any fruit. And we're like, I can't let go of these. I can't let go of these. And He's like, just let me hold them. Give them to me. And you're like, but these represent... This is the seed of hope for my marriage, or this is the seed of hope for, my, for, for some dreams that I have in my life, or this is a, oh, seeds of, I can't, I can't let go of these. And, he, and he's going to say, let me, let me hold them. And it's not like he's saying to you, you have failed because you've been carrying these seeds for too long. It's not that. He's just saying, can I have those seeds of hope? And as we give them over to the Lord, that he takes them and he holds them and whatever he does with them is his choice. But what he also does is he holds us in the grief of feeling like we're letting go of that seed of hope. We don't know what God does with that seed. And we also don't know what happens when a seed is held in the hands of the God of life. And it's so much more powerful that I would give over these seeds to him and let him hold them. Then I hold them in my hand and I'm always looking at them and going, why is there not more fruit from these seeds? Disappointment. I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to empty my hands. And I just want to be held by you. And I want to hear that it's okay. That I didn't fail in having hope. It was not a mistake to have hope. But at some point in my journey, my hope began to shift from hope in you, Jesus, to hope in an outcome and in hoping in an outcome that is disappointed or a person that isn't showing up begins to make me sick. And I don't wanna walk around spiritually sick anymore. And so the choice to say, let's not just keep on more religious hope on top of hope, let's actually allow ourselves to say, I'm a little bit sick because I've been carrying this hope and I wanna give it to you and I wanna be healed of this heart sickness that's making me bring bitterness out of my life, or in so many different places I'm experiencing bitterness where you want me to experience the sweetness of life with you, right? And so some of the questions that you guys had was this, how do I recognize then if my hope is misplaced? My hope is misplaced, and I wanna answer these questions for you. My hope is displaced when I put it in something, and in that something I now hold it between myself and God, rather than allowing him to hold it. Healthy hope when I visit it is being held by the Father. Unhealthy hope when I visit it is being held between me and the Father. You aren't doing the thing I need you to do. My life isn't turning out the way that I expected it to turn out. My platform isn't this. My voice isn't this. My opportunity isn't this. My marriage isn't this. And so what happens is I view the Father through my disappointment. Healthy hope is held by him. And when you visit it, you're in partnership with him. As opposed to holding it between you and him. Does that make sense? So that I'm not viewing God through a lens of disappointment all the time. Another way that I can recognize that my hope is misplaced is that I check in daily with my failed expectations And I live from from lack rather than checking in daily with him and checking in daily with my own heart. What this means is that I have a record player going that is reciting the places where things haven't worked out the way that I expected or hoped that they would. And when I wake up in the morning, I check in with the record player and the repeat of, oh, this is how my life needs to change. This is how God needs to show up. This is what I need to see shifting for me to be filled with hope. And so this message that I play over and over begins in the morning and it plays all the way through to the end of my day. And instead of checking in with my heart and instead of checking in and just spending time with the Father, I'm checking in with my disappointment and my story every day. And I'm placing my hope in the outcome of that story changing. And it causes me to live from lack. What I don't have begins to inform my life posture and attitude more than what I do have. Because I'm listening to the story of what I don't have. And that becomes the backdrop for all of my conversations, my life, my decisions, and the things that go on through the day. And so what I don't have and the disappointment that I'm carrying, and the hope that hasn't arrived yet, that informs more of my life than what I do have. And in fact, it will become so constrictive to my vision that I won't be able to see the things that I do have. And this is why Paul instructs us, again, from prison, from the beatings, from the arrests, from the accusations, he says to us, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice in the Lord. How can we rejoice in the Lord when the record player that's playing in our hearts and minds that we wake up to and that we play all day is how he has disappointed our hope or hasn't filled and shown up in the way that we want him to. Another way that we can recognize if our hope has been misplaced is that we don't check in. <laughs> we don't check in with God on words or directions or beliefs about how and when these things will take place in our lives. We get a word from the Lord We get an unction from the Lord. We get a dream from the Lord. We get a directive from the Lord. And I believe with all of my heart that these are important and vital to our spiritual journey. I believe that they are real and they are absolute and that you can hear the voice of God. That in your regenerated state, because of relationship with Jesus and because of the Spirit of God that resides within you, that God's heart and desire is to speak to you. Not only speak to you encouragement and identity as a son or as a daughter, but also to speak direction to you, to speak uh, life over you, to speak things to you that you would go and do and build your life towards. He is a God who is faithful to lead us and to guide us and to speak to us. And I believe that with all of my heart. And I believe that, gener- uh, that cultivating that in our life is so important to our spiritual health and our spiritual journey. And if you're like, I don't know that, I don't get that, I don't experience that, I would love to talk with you more about that. It's important. It's important. But what can also happen is that I can hear a word from the Lord, I can have a dream, I can have somebody speak something over my life or speak a word, and it becomes this absolute concrete set in stone, this is going to happen and it has to happen, and I forget to check in with him as a journey and an invitation of relationship as opposed to a thanks for the direction, off I go, believing that it's going to happen exactly the way that I'm imagining it's going to happen today. So we are carrying false hope or we're carrying hope that makes us sick when we fail to check in with God on these words, on these directions, on these hopes for our life, for our message, for our marriages, for our whatever it might be. Timing and circumstances and even our own decisions are more powerful than prophetic words over our life. Hmm. <laughs> the prophetic words for your life, the dreams that you have, those things you've written in your journal, in your sacred spaces, I do not belittle them one ounce. But I want you to hear this, that the Father is so much for you, so much more for you than he is for just fulfilling or checking a box of a prophetic word that you believe is gonna happen a certain way. And sometimes it is in circumstances, it is in our own choices, it is in life journey, it is in things that we cannot control that God is moving us and moving with circumstances. And I promise you this, that even if that prophetic word or that dream does not come about, if you would break it down to the essence of God's heart for you as a son or daughter, that seed of that word has never been failed. And while it may not look the way that you want, I promise you that the heart of every true prophetic word that God has spoken into your life, every true whisper to your heart, if you break it down to the essence of what it is and what he's saying he wants to accomplish, that those things are taking place in your life, even if it doesn't look how you expect it to look. Does that make sense? His intention for you does not change and will always be accomplished, even if it means we have to lay down some of our dreams and some of our desires and some of our disappointments. We have to check the sails on some of these things because I believe that the wind often changes. It doesn't, don't hear me say, don't hear what I'm not saying. God's wishy-washy. He says, says one thing and then he's, then he's off doing something else. He forgets about you and then he turns around like, oh, you've wandered off. Oh, well, let's give, let me give you something else then. I forget about that thing I told you before. I'm super wishy-washy. I don't know what's really going on. Like that's not the kind of father that he is. And I'm not trying to paint a picture at all in that. I just mean that he sets us out on a direction. And often the circumstances, the waves, the ocean and the wind are all shifting. And he is faithful to bring us to those destinations of mind and heart and character and formation into Christ likeness. Even if we don't land on every single island that we expect to land on along the way. Another way that we can recognize that our hope has been misplaced, is that the how becomes more important than the what to me. What God is doing, to follow up, continue with that last point that I gave you, what God is doing will always, or sorry, what God is doing will always be secondary to how it comes about, or sorry, primary to how it comes about. What God is doing will always be primary. I was like, that sentence does not make sense. And I'm staring at it and I'm trying to make it make sense. And it's not making sense. What God is doing is always more important than how it comes about. It is his purpose and his intention for your life that guides your life, not a specific plan. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and we don't have to go over it. And I know that that rattles some cages when we talk about the sovereignty of God. But I believe his sovereignty is seen in his purposes and his intentions. More so than him saying, I have every single step of your life preordained and it's going to happen exactly the way that I have chosen and it's going to happen. And if we believe that, then anything that bad that happens has to also be ascribed to the Father. And that's not his heart. That's not who he is. And so I want you to hear this. Do not let the how that he is forming in you and the things that he's doing in you become more important than the what. What he is forming in you, what he is doing through you is the primary focus. And that is what we see in Paul in his contentment and his place of saying, my life is spent telling people the story and the truth of Jesus. And I'm not exactly sure how that's going to come about, but I know what my purpose is and what I am living for and all of the other circumstances and all of the other external things. And whether it works out this way or this way or this way or this way, I'm still going to come back to this place of saying, doesn't matter. My heart and my message is Jesus and Jesus alone. And I'm going to be ready to proclaim him. And so in that place of challenging us, to lay down deferred, delayed, disappointed hope and that's making our hearts sick. The challenge then is to pick up that contentment that Paul demonstrated in these later chapters, especially in these latter chapters of Acts. Paul said this also to the Philippians, and he wrote this in that same season of time. He said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will not be ashamed. When he's, when he's telling them about what is going on in your life, what's happening, you're, you're in prison and you're, you're, you're trying to tell the world, the entire known world about Jesus and you're in, the, you're in the depths of the most powerful political realm on the earth today and like what's going on and he says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will, be, that I will in no way be ashamed but will have complete boldness so that not, <clears throat> I'm having a hard time reading, but will have complete boldness so that now as always Christ will be exalted whether by my life or by my death for me to live is Christ and to die is to gain to gain to gain eternity to gain a, a step into this realm of knowing Jesus in a way that I never have before I expect and I hope that I won't be ashamed. But even if I am, I will have complete boldness so that now as always, Christ will be exalted. There's something so profound when Paul is not putting his life in the hands of hopes or outcomes, but he's putting his life and his purpose in this one thing, that Jesus would be exalted through my life whether in life or whether in death, whether I lay my life down or not, I want Jesus to be known. And that's the goal for us. That's the goal for you. That's the goal for me, I believe, is that someday that people would point to your life and say, I know Jesus because of that person. I have a relationship with Jesus because of that person. Or someone would point at your life and say, I know Jesus better because of that person. And if that is the absolute core of our heart and core of our life. And I know that that's kind of like, that's an old timey message. Good. We need old timey messages that say look, the reason we're disappointed all the time is because we've put our expectations, our fulfillments, our desires, our dreams, our platforms above this reality that Paul says, whatever, if I'm ashamed or not ashamed, if things work out or don't work out, that people would know Jesus is the core and the heart of my life. And if I die doing it, great. If I if I live doing it, great. But when we start to put other things ahead and other hopes and other purposes and other dreams and other desires ahead of Jesus being known to our hearts and through our lives, we're inviting disappointment because we've taken what is secondary, the how, and we have raised it over the primary, the what. And when we live in that place of contentment, that I've found what it looks like to be content in all things because Jesus is the center of my life and the center of my message. And that's the goal for me and for you. You don't have to lead cities to the Lord, but man, to live your life in such a way that someone would would literally go, "I, I know Jesus better because of how you live and talk and lead and pray and show up. I know Jesus because of the way you brought me into your your family and your home and you taught me and you raised me up in this. And I know Jesus because of you is such a powerful reality that I want that to be enough for us and anything else and everything else that takes place would be secondary to that. Acts 27 uh, is where we is where we are, and we're gonna, we're gonna move into that next week. And it's such a it's there's such an interesting partnership, I think, with this uh, with this message as we look at Acts 27 of God's how God sovereignly takes Paul and his companions on a journey that he has predestined them to say, Paul, you're gonna stand before Caesar and you're gonna give an account for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in the midst of that journey on the in the storm are all these different variables. Where, Paul, or where God seems to lead, leave them with multiple choices of how they arrive in that place and how does God's sovereignty work when he has a destination and a purpose for our life, but so many variables along the way. And I think it ties into his humility and Paul's choice to say, I'm not living. I'm living for you, Jesus, whatever it looks like. I'm gonna stay true to that. And so there is things to unpack in Acts 27 and Acts 28 that I think are very pertinent to, if I could have the worship team come on up, I think that are very pertinent to this conversation And I'm sorry, no, I'm not sorry, but sometimes um, the messages that we have within the time that we have, uh, it's so beautiful to be able to just unpack again, reteach a message if we need to, and to land it in a way where I want to now invite us to have a time of response And to ask ourselves if we have truly come to a place of contentment. And contentment, don't hear me say that contentment is a lack of hope. That contentment is found in a lack of desires or a lack of dreams. Every single one of you has beautiful gifts, purposes, dreams, ideas, destinations that he has for you. So to say that I am content, I'm not saying you just need to lay all of that down and go, ambivalence. I feel so content. I feel so content when I have no hope. I feel so content when I have no desires or purpose. That way I'm never disappointed. This is not, this is not what my heart is. It's not what I'm saying. It's how do you manage that hope and ultimately who is holding on to it. Who's holding on to the dreams, the desires, the destinations, the purposes for your life? Who's holding the hope that says, yeah, I have these things for you, but I'm holding them. So if you want to visit your hope, it's me. So this morning, the challenge I think for us as as we receive and respond in ministry and allow the Spirit of God to just move in this place is that we would look and say, is there anything that I'm holding in my hand? Whether it's a, a destination an expectation a desire or hope is there anything that I'm holding in my hand where I feel like it isn't happening the way I want it to happen and I'm viewing God through that instead of letting Him have it is there any place in my life where I'm holding these seeds that aren't bearing the fruit I want and I'm looking at them every day and being more and more frustrated instead of handing them over to a good father to say when you find my heart ready plant these again And in the meantime i'm just giving you my heart god is doing amazing things in your life through your life and around your life and if you're not seeing it i would challenge you that there's a chance that you have this garden where there is life happening on one side and then there's rows that aren't growing the way you want them to on another and you're standing in the midst of rows that aren't blooming the way you want and you're saying god where's the fruit And we're standing in the place where life isn't coming with our back on a place that life is happening. And could this morning represent a shift where I'm just gonna say, God, I'm leaving these places to you, the master gardener, and I'm gonna go over here and be thankful and rest in and pull from the fruit of your presence and your goodness and your life that I see right here. Sometimes the most powerful thing we do in letting go of expectations and hope is that it frees us up to grab onto something else. So Jesus, we thank you for this time and this space. For these next 15 minutes or so, if you guys would just close your eyes for a minute, I wanna pray over you and just speak over you. You are birthing new hope in us. as we lay down all these different things that we might be carrying of expectations and disappointments and frustrations and what about and how come it doesn't look this way. What I truly believe is happening is that in the surrender that he is taking those seats and that his resurrection power as he holds them in his hand and in the right timing There's going to be some of those that come to life, and he's going to plant those. There's going to be some of those that are just seeds that were never meant to be planted the way that you expected, and he will remove those. Jesus, would you come, your spirit, your presence, your life, into this room and into this moment. And as we surrender these places to you, and we let them go that you would minister to our hearts that it's okay and it's safe. It's okay and it's safe to grieve. It's okay and it's safe for this to be hard. It's okay and it's safe for a letting go to cost us something. You're not asking us to repent from hope. You're just asking us to surrender anything to you that is causing our hearts to be sick because it's bringing disappointment, constant disappointment to our hearts and to our minds as we give to you. These few minutes that we have to just minister to our hearts. Communion is available. If you'd like to take communion as that a point of exchange, if you'd just like to sit and pray, sit and worship, you're welcome to. And just respond as the Lord directs you for these next few minutes and allow him to minister to your heart. In Jesus' name.
1: look to you, I won't be overwhelmed, give me vision, to see things like you do, God I look to you, you're where my hope comes from, give me wisdom, for you know just what to do, see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom, for you know just what to do. You know what need you I need Jesus, lead us out today. We thank you for confessions of surrender and need that can lead us into all the breakthrough that we need. God, is just in you. All the hope that we need. All the vision that we need. It's all in you. Thank you for leading us as a family to every circumstance that's gonna confront us outside these walls. And we love you, Lord. Amen. Have a great rest of your day. Feel free to enjoy some uh, connection time and, or get the kids. I know there's a whole bunch of middle schoolers apparently back there.